Wow. We've already got two weeks under our belt with this I Am series. By the way, there's plenty of uh, cards out there that you can give to friends that will go all the way up and culminate uh, on Easter Sunday. So let's just refresh ourselves. Today we're going to be talking about I Am the Bread of Life. Let's just remind ourselves where we've come. We've stated that from the Gospel of John, in John's Gospel, there are actually seven very explicit self-revelatory comments that Jesus makes in conversations, uh, dialogues, as well as uh, messages that he shares with groups of people. Seven of them, and we've already, I only included up here on the slide, those that we have to date. So we started with John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How many of you are here for that Sunday? There were more than you, a few that hear that. Anyway, uh, that was uh, two weeks ago. Last Sunday, I was out ministering in Northern Virginia at one of our churches that I have responsibilities with. And uh, I understand that Brent Lucy did a phenomenal job presenting, I am the I am the door. Thank you so much, Brent, for doing that, and I know you were blessed. And so today, we're on part number three of the I am claims of Jesus Christ. Today, we want to talk about the fact that he is the what? The bread of of life. So let's talk a little bit about Jesus as the bread of life. Whenever I was a young boy, I grew up in a small town in central Texas, and my father's parents uh, lived on and worked a dairy farm about 15 minutes away from the small town that I lived in. So I grew, grew up as a small town boy and um, and then just spent a whole lot of time at my grandma's house. My grandfather passed away when I was about two years old. So a lot of opportunities to go and hang out on the farm and, and do all kinds of things that that includes. Everything from milking cows to feeding chickens and picking up eggs and all those fun things. But I have to tell you today, there was one... This is confession time, all right? There was one particular experience that made a big, has a big memory to me. Every week, my grandma, now she a, was a German immigrant, all right? So we're talking, you know, this is, you know, she brought with her all her family customs and, and things. And part of life for my grandmother my, and my father when he grew up was you make bread every week, Karen. It wasn't a once a year, that's some special thing, we're going to have some fresh bread. Every week. Grandma made bread from, yeah, from, no, no bread machine. All right, we're talking from scratch. And she'd make all these loaves of bread. And I remember always wanting to time my visits where I would show up when grandma's bread was coming out of the ovens. And she had a process. And she even taught me, Carrie will admit this, although she'll probably tell you that that uh, she'd been trying to get me to bake bread since. But, but I, I, I learned to bake bread when I was a, a young man because it, it corresponded in my mind to grandma. All I had to do is just walk in the house and I'm like, I mean, I thought I was just going to faint, you know, with sheer delight that I could smell that fresh, fresh 
yeast bread that grandma had just taken out of the oven. She had a process and she'd store them and they had a, a cellar and that they would take and she, she'd take them and wrap them in towels and place them down in the cellar and there was a special place for the bread and so one whole week anytime you needed a fresh loaf of bread you just go down the cellar, you get the bread out and you take it up and you ha- have lunch. There was never a meal where bread was not being served. Bread just had this, this memory. It, I mean, a lot of our memories are connected, yes, to things we see, but also to smells and to taste. And so I, I'm here to tell you that all you have to do is mention the word bread. I have to confess, I'm still a lover of bread. I try not to, you know, we definitely don't make bread every week at the Hill House. I just want to make that real clear right now. But anytime that if there's a temptation for me, it would be fresh bread. Can anybody feel my pain this morning? I just, just a couple of you would say, yeah, I know some of y'all are so good. You just like, mm, sorry, I don't do that anymore. I, I'm impressed. Okay. But it's my weak spot. All right. So when we talk about bread, I can't help but remember those encounters and the smells and the freshness and and when there were family reunions, oh my, I don't even want to go there. It was just incredible, the breads that were rolled out of all kinds. So when I start thinking about Jesus being the bread of life, I learned that in those days at least, and for sure during the days of the Middle East, bread was more than just an optional item that may be on the table, may not be on the table, or, or was just something that was an add-on. It was central to every meal. I never, ever remember having a meal with our family growing up where there wasn't fresh bread on the table. It was a central element to food and to meals. Now, what we want to do is just very quickly lay the background and the setting for what we're going to read today, the I am statements of Jesus. We'll look at the scripture in just a second, but I want to set, I want to get, set it up for you. The I am statements about the bread, and there were three in John chapter 6. Three different verses where Jesus, you know, when Jesus says something once, pay attention. If he says something twice, you know it's important. If he says it three times, you better really look at it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The context was in John chapter 6 and verse 5 to 13, Jesus had just fed, commonly we call this the feeding of the 5,000. You've heard of it referenced that way. It's really a misnomer because actually it was 5,000 men. So if you take into account the women and the kids, not counting the dogs and the cats, there's probably about 15,000, many would estimate, that were probably there on those hills of Galilee enjoying this great miracle. Jesus saw that people were hungry, and he said to his disciples, we've got to do something about this. Aren't you glad that Jesus is concerned about our needs? And when we're hungry, he notices it. He anticipates the fact when we need to be fed. And he multiplied. We know the story. We know that Andrew brought to him the little boy with the sack lunch, and he took the lunch. And we know that he prayed over those barley loaves, and he prayed over those two fishes, and they multiplied, and they had enough to feed 15,000 people a pretty good lunch. And the Bible even tells us that they had 12 baskets left over when it was all said and done. That's one of the most commonly referenced miracles of the Gospels. The miraculous feeding of these crowds and these multitudes. So it is on the heels of that that we find the I am the bread of life claims. 
Now, what happened was, after that great miracle, there are thousands and thousands of people who were listening to his words and feeding off of the, the miracle that they knew just happened. And so after that, Jesus left with his disciples, and they went down to the seaside, and they did some other things. But all this time, the crowds are following him. Because they said, this stuff is good. Cannot believe that Jesus would, look what he can do. He can make, he can make food just multiply. They were tracking him from this point on. Because why? He's meeting their need. They're like, man, we, we want more of that. Man, all he did is just, he just prayed, waved his hand over that, and look at all this food. There's more where that came from. Let's go find this guy. Some of them were more impressed by the miracle than the person. They were moved by the works of Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. They had made a personal commitment to him, but they knew what he had done. And they were moved by that. So the crowds were following him and tracking him. And then we see the actual verses that we want to focus on. And we're not going to take a long time into the depth of the text here. But I do want to read it to you, beginning in John chapter 6. And we'll skip around a little bit. Verses 26 through 29. Jesus answered, Verily, I, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I perform, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And they, then they ask him, what, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Do you see that they're still locked into the old covenant, to the law, and you have to satisfy all the requirements of the law before, you're, before you can be received by God? They're, they're still locked into that thinking. And Jesus said, well, the work of God is this. What you really need to do is don't worry about all that list of do's and don'ts. Here's what you need to do. Believe in the one he has sent, which was Jesus. Jesus was claiming Messiahship. Then we skip over to verse 30. And so they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So whenever you talk about bread from heaven, they immediately thought bread from heaven is what? Manna. This is the manna that was supernatural provision for the people that they ate during those 40 years in the wilderness. And Jesus said to them, very truly I say to you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. You used to always think about Moses being the one that did the miracle. Even when God does miracles today, we always get focused on the instrument, don't we? On the person rather than the true miracle worker. And Jesus said to them, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Do you see what he's doing? He's trying to shift their attention and focus to the truth. In verse 34, sir, they said, always give us this bread. Now, I'm not sure if they, which bread they were thinking about. I'm not sure they finally clicked that he was talking about something spiritual here. But in verse 35, it says, Then Jesus declared, listen to what he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Are you hearing that? 
If you eat of me, you will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Your physical, what you think about, your your needs for hunger and thirst, he's saying your spiritual hunger and thirst will be satisfied forever if you simply believe and come to me. And then in verse 46 through 51, verse 47 says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has what? Eternal life. Verse 48, listen to the declaration again. I am the bread of life. All through the Old Testament, we knew that God represented himself as what? I am that I am. Now Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. By the way, sequentially, historically, this is the very first I am claim. So this is the first time he rolled that out. So I imagine people are like, whoa. He said, I am the bread of life. Verse 49, your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, but they died. Do you see his point? But here, here, me, Jesus, I am the bread. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone can eat and not die. I am, he repeats his claim, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Don't get, don't get focused on manna. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and whoever eats this bread is going to live forever. Hallelujah. Everybody say, he is the bread of life. Yeah, that was his claim. Now, there's a number of significances of bread that I want to just, y'all getting hungry just looking at that. I heard a couple like, oh, man, is it time to go for lunch already? Just hold on. You'll be all right. All right. I I just want to share with you three significances of bread that correlate to what the Bible is trying to teach us when we think of Jesus being the bread of life. First of all, just remember that in the Old Testament that bread is, is very central. For example, when the tabernacle was built, Moses instructed them by God's direction, instructed them to make sure that they put a whole table in the tabernacle that was called the table of his presence, the bread of his presence. It's a place where they would stack 12 loaves, not like that, but 12 loaves of unleavened bread. They would stack it there, and it represented the 12 tribes of Israel and how that God had consistently provided for them wherever they were, whether they were in bondage in Egypt, whether they were wandering around the wilderness, they were to always remember that God was their source. Then, of course, we know that that was basically that bread there inside the tabernacle was only for priests to eat alone, except for special occasions. We know that bread in, 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 the, in the Bible day was much more central to their sustenance, to their normal life than what we think of it. We think today, I, I just don't think it has the same meaning today. So when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, it's as if he was saying, I'm your food. I am your, that's, that was the primary food. Uh, I've been blessed to have to, uh, to be able to travel to a whole lot of different countries and enjoy uh, looking at the variety of staple items like their bread that they serve. Uh, you know, having lived close to uh, Central America most of my life when I lived in Texas, I mean, tortillas were like bread. I mean, we just ate tortillas every time we got a chance. We did, eat tortillas. We had tortillas for breakfast. We had tortillas for lunch. I mean, we, you know, we're very creative when it comes to tortillas. That's, but but in, in Mexico and in Central America that, and in much of South America, that's just bread. 
How many of you like tortillas? Come on, make a confession here today. Anybody? All right. And, 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 and in India, John, I love some of the breads of India. And there's different regions in southern India. They have their own breads for there. And then you go to another part of India, and they have their own breads. And, and some of you have probably heard of naan, but you, have, you, you just wouldn't believe all the bread options that you got there. And there, it's, it's amazing how bread in most cultures, that represents more than what today you go into Atlanta Bread Company or to Panera's and buy all over. It, it is something totally different. So for Jesus to say, I am the bread of life, it really means something. Just quickly, these three things. Number one, bread satisfies us. There's something about bread that just like I was describing today's with my grandma, I mean, it was just satisfying to have the bread. I could just, I could be happy smelling it. I'd just be happy smelling it. There's something satisfying about eating well-made bread. I mean, to be able to take it and dip it and use it as, a, as actually a fork or a spoon, as they do in many countries, that's how they would actually eat their food. They still do. They use the bread as their, as their utensil. Yeah. There's something satisfying about bread. Secondly, bread sustains us. There's something necessary in, in our own requirement for survival Food is critical for our survival. Not necessarily bread, you know, specifically, but bread representing food. It sustains us and you can't live without it. And thirdly, bread strengthens us. And as a meal, we know that you can only go so long without consuming food. Jesus is saying, when he says, when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, I want to satisfy you. I want to satisfy your inner need, your inner cravings. I also want you to eat, learn to, to eat of me and know I will sustain you. I will continue to make you, to, to give you life and to give you life that's going to last forever. And finally, he wants to strengthen us. It's he is the one that strengthens us. In and of ourselves, we can't do anything. But with the Lord as our bread, as our staff of life, he also strengthens us. Listen, have you ever really been hungry? To be honest with you, I think many people in in our society haven't really known hunger. Now you say, oh yeah, I've been hungry. I went without food for a whole day. I I fasted for a whole day. I was so hungry. You don't know hunger. You just don't understand. Like there are people, I'm not making you feel bad. We don't really understand hunger. But I mean... If you really understood hunger, there's something on the inside of you. I mean, your stomach begins to to be in pain and your body begins to reek with a need for sustenance. Jesus is saying, I, I am the only thing that's going to really satisfy your hunger. Did you know that God places into every human being a need a a, a desperate need for him. And you can try to fill it with all kind of other stuff. You can try to put other things in there and nothing else works. You know, you can eat all the candy you want and it's still not going to make you healthy and sustain life. Am I right? I learned a long time ago, being hungry for God is very, very important. Being, having a sense of desperation for more of him is really important. And someone told me many years ago, an old preacher said, Bobby, just remember, it's always easy to feed a hungry man. People are hungry. It's not hard to feed hungry people. Now, someone's been snacking all day. Mama used to tell you, 
Don't eat that, honey. You're going to, it's going to ruin your dinner. Y'all know what I'm saying? Don't, don't be eating that. Oh, now you can't be doing that. We're going to have dinner in a couple of hours. But if you're hungry, you're always ready to eat. I think spiritually sometimes we do a lot of snacking. We eat some stuff that's not all that good for us. And then when it's time to really have a hunger for God, hunger for the word of God, hunger for the things of God, we're like, well, I can take it or leave it. Eh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I really feel like, you know, going to group this week. I don't know. And we need to have a desperate hunger for the things that last forever. All right, quickly, I'm going to go to my last point. I know we're short on time today. But the clock back there actually tells me that, no, never mind. Never mind. I, I, I'm not going to take advantage of you. I promise you, I'm not. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to share with you here three major misconceptions that this text reveals to us if you got into it, and I'll cover them very quickly. Number one, these disciples and pe- people, the multitudes that were following after Jesus after this miracle, number one, the first mistake they made is they forgot that God is the source of all things. They totally, they just didn't get it. Jesus had to clarify, listen, this was the Lord who provided your needs in the wilderness, not Moses. Don't give Moses credit for the manna. It was the Lord. It was my father in heaven. And yet manna represents a very significant lesson. They had to gather it every day. It was a supernatural provision and without it, they would die. It was nutritious. The word manna literally means, what is it? It's kind of real strange. Well, what is it? But it was necessary for them. They gathered just enough for one day. There's a lot of important lessons that we can learn from manna. You know, you can't just walk. You can't say, last week I had a really good week with Jesus. And I read a lot of the word and I spent time in prayer and it was really good. So this week I really don't need, you know, to do so much. Manna had to be collected every day. You couldn't like store it up and preserve it for next week. It was every day. Listen, your walk with Jesus is an everyday walk. Are you listening to me today? Every day you need to feed on the bread of life that God provides for us. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1, a wonderful scripture, every good and perfect gift is from above. From where? From above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So James tells us that good things come from God. Everything that is good, everything comes from God. We need to give God credit. We need to give God thanksgiving for being our provider and our source. These people forgot. They thought this man who just did this, this miracle, they said, okay, wow, he's going to help do these miracle tricks and then all of our needs can be met. Jesus was wanting them to see the bigger picture. He wanted them to see that the bread of life suggested his divinity and that he would be their source. He would be their provider. The Bible teaches us uh, the name Jehovah Jireh in the Old Testament is a covenant name of God, which means what? God is our provider. Also, we see that another name of God revealed in the Bible is El Shaddai, which actually means the one that is more than adequate, the one that is more than sufficient. It's one thing to say that something's sufficient. It's one thing to say I've got enough food in the pantry to last me a couple of weeks. It's another thing to say there's a lot of good food on the table. It's another thing to know that we serve a God who said, I am the more than sufficient, more than adequate. It's not just barely enough. It's not just enough to get you by today is not just enough. I have more than you will ever need. God is our source. 
we got to trust him as our source. When I was a, a young man, I was 19, uh, going on 20 years old, and I was living in Northern Ireland. I went there as a missionary to do work behind the Iron Curtain, and I had to raise a large sum of money to get there. And I remember just praying, and I was young in my, in my exercising my faith, but I prayed and believed and asked God to give me the money I needed for this trip because I was going to be there for a couple of years. And, and the Lord, at the very last moment, at the very last moment, money came in and supplied that need. It reaffirmed to me, God is my source. I didn't need to go to churches and beg them for money. I didn't need to go to people and say, you got to help me out because, you know, I've got to. No, God is our source. Once I got there, and I remember walking the streets of Northern Ireland where I was living out in the country, and I'd walk up and down because I'd run out of money. There was no more money, and uh, there were many days left, and I didn't have any money. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get on the ferry? How am I going to get over to the mainland? How am I going to make it for the next 30 days, run out of money? And so I would, every day, I would, on my walk, a little prayer walk, then I'd go to the mailbox. I'd open up that mailbox, and you know what I was looking for? Looking for a check from America. I was looking for some money that somebody would send me some money from America. And I would go and repeat. I remember one particular time, every day I checked, no money, no checks. I'm thinking, they have forgotten I'm here. They've totally forgot I'm here serving God, and they forgot that I'm over here trying to do this. You know what the Lord spoke to me one day? He spoke to me and said, your problem is you're looking at the postal service as your source. You're looking to the church back home as your source. You're forgetting I am your source. Next thing I know, he raises up people that I would have never expected from to meet my needs and took good care of me all that time. This was the first mistake they made. The second misconception is they failed to understand the essence of human life is spiritual. They were getting the whole natural, spiritual thing mixed up. Doesn't the Bible tell us in Matthew 4, 4, that people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God? These are people who had their eyes on physical bread, but physical bread doesn't last. Have you ever noticed you buy a loaf of bread, and I mean, in a few days, it's not fresh anymore. I mean, what's up with that? But he's trying to help them to understand. You've got your eyes on physical things, natural things. I'm trying to shift your attention over here to understand that the essence of human life is spiritual. It comes from only someone that can give you spiritual life. And he is the one that can do that. Physical bread doesn't last, but the bread of life does. The bread of life is eternally fresh. Sometimes we get our focus on the physical and the material. And we need to remind ourselves that true fulfillment in life doesn't come from natural things doesn't come for your entertainment it doesn't true fulfillment does not come from even just having the right friends true fulfillment can only come from a spiritual walk with god may i offer you one more as i close number three they failed to recognize the true bread of life three times in john chapter six jesus reaffirms i am I am the living bread. I am the bread of heaven. I am the bread of life. He was the true manna. They didn't have to go collecting it out in the wilderness anymore. He said, I am the bread of life. I think a lot of times people go through life and they fail to recognize Jesus is the bread of life. We can place an emphasis on a whole lot of other things. But Jesus today wants you to know, I want to be your satisfier. 
I want to be the one that truly satisfies you. I want to be the one that helps you be sustained. I want to be the one that strengthens you. I believe all of that and more is contained in that statement. I am the bread of life. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. And then I ask that our ministry teams would come and position themselves here at the front of the auditorium so that they can pray for you, minister to you. If you have a need today in your life, I don't care what it is, God is our source. Whether it's healing or encouragement or reconciliation or maybe you need to make a decision for Jesus Christ today and choose him as your bread of life. If you haven't done that, I'm going to encourage you to come. Those who are serving, come on up here to the front. Be in position so when people can come and receive prayer from you this morning. Would you just bow your heads this morning? Lord, we declare you as our bread of life. We declare that you are the one, the only one that can satisfy. You are the only one that can truly meet all of our needs, spiritual, emotional, marital, every need. Lord, we thank you today that we're reminded that you are the bread of life. Let us always remember that. Let us remember it's not about the natural things. It's truly the priority is making sure that our spiritual lives are fundamentally entrusted and secured by you and our relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for ministering truth to us today. In Jesus' name. You just look up here at me. I just want to just declare a blessing over you this morning. I just speak to your very hearts that this morning you are the head and not the tail. (laughs) And that the God, our great God, he pours out his favor upon you in every single aspect of your homes and your lives this week. That he will be the very bread of heaven that fills up your homes with that aroma of his goodness. I declare that he will sustain you. He will keep you and he will strengthen you throughout the rest of this week. You are his child and he is your father and he loves you unconditionally. And I just speak over you today that nothing and no one can separate you from the love of God. Never, ever. All right. We bless you guys. Have an awesome week. And we'll see you next week. God bless you.